This is my second Sunday in a row in big church, and I count it a blessing to be able to be here with you this morning. Uh, although every time I'm in here, I'm always wondering what's going on in the gym. I miss my kids. Uh, but I'm so grateful for the leaders that we have in place in this church and all different ministries. But for me specifically, I am so grateful for the leaders that we have in Kids Zone, in the gym, and in the nursery, in the preschool, so that it gives me the ability to come in once in a while and to worship alongside of you. And this morning, I just want to give a shout out to the directors that keep things going in the gym each and every week because I can't do it myself. We probably have about 90 volunteers that run our kids' ministry and, and next-gen ministries uh, throughout the week. We are a blessed church. Um, and I know that I can come in here because they love the kids the same as I do. They're passionate about discipleship. They're passionate about them knowing Jesus. And so I just want to give a, a shout-out this morning to Kathy Jowdry, Vi Ho, Noah Baker, Natasha Kane, who is out there right now running things, and Scott Hawks as well, and I don't know if Scott will watch this online, but um, I'm sad to uh, see him go, but his job has changed, and so this Sunday would have been the last Sunday that he would have been available to help direct in Kid Zone, and he has been a blessing to us for many years, years long before I came, and so um, I'm hoping that it's a short stint of time that we can just let his work borrow him on Sundays. Uh, just want to make mention of a King's Castle parent meeting that will be happening next Sunday night here at 6 o'clock. We'll just meet right here in the sanctuary. So if you have a child between the ages of 5 and 18 and you don't know anything about King's Castle, let me tell you, you picked the right church to come and make your church family because we have this amazing discipleship process for your children. And if you want to uh, figure out where to go with your kids. If you want your kids sold out for Jesus at a young age, they need to be a part of the discipleship process of King's Castle. Because I'm telling you, they put most of us adults to shame when it comes to ministering in the community and telling other people about Jesus. There's no holds barred for them. So 6 o'clock, it'll give the opportunity to ask questions. We'll set up expectations of what we will need to see happen from you, the parents, throughout the year. And uh, the registration process, too, you'll get some information about that. And then the following week, on the 19th, we start back to our regular classes. So that's our King's Castle program. As you probably have guessed, Pastor Paul is on holidays, and I have been selected to fill his spot for the morning. Um, so we pray that he is blessed wherever he is, that he's relaxing somewhere. I'm sure it's, uh, it's not on a beach today, but um, he's probably in Nova Scotia with his family. And so God, I, I just pray a blessing on our, our leader today, wherever he might be. Um, I'm going to get right into the sermon, but let's pray together. I have been praying all morning, okay, because this is so outside of the realm of my comfort. I can preach to kids all day long, and they're not judgy. Okay, you folk, you're judgy. So um, give me some grace this morning. This is not what I do. I am not a preacher by, by any means, but um, I'm a willing vessel, and I do believe that God has given me a word for his church. And so um, let's just pray together. Pray along with me. God, our Heavenly Father, I just pray 
that your Holy Spirit will be all over this message as I present it to you, as I feel that you have given it to me. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll be present in this place, that your Holy Spirit will be present in such a way that hurts will be affected. God, that you will have your way in hearts today. Soft hearts, hardened hearts, all of the hearts. God, I just pray that you will do a work in this place. Use me as your mouthpiece, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 34. Mark chapter 5, 21 to 34. And this is a very popular story in the Bible. You will know it well. It's about the woman with the issue of blood. And it says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Amen. Now we know in the Bible that there's more than one gospel that covers this story and so it's covered in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Matthew has a very short account. It's only three verses. But I want to look at Luke as well because there are some things in Luke that we won't get in Mark's account. So let's turn to Luke 8, 43 to 48. There's just some good tidbits there. Luke 8, 43 to 48. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had immediately been healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This morning I'll be speaking on lessons 
from a desperate woman. Lessons from a desperate woman. Of all of the stories in the Bible, this one would have been on my top five list for sure. Because even though it's just a few verses, and it's about a woman who's completely anonymous, there's so much jam-packed into this story. We have this woman. She hasn't been qualified as an old woman or a young woman, and the Bible doesn't give us much information about what she's suffering from, outside of the fact that she's been bleeding for 12 years. But you and I have both been taught through Sunday school and any time that we've heard a sermon about the woman with the issue of blood, that she was likely hemorrhaging from her womb. And that's what makes the most sense, because what else can a woman bleed from for 12 years and still be alive? If she had some kind of wound on a limb or some other part of her body, it likely would have festered and she would have been gone long ago. But with that said, she couldn't have been well. She was anemic dying slowly. Her energy was drained, and weakness and frailty became a part of her everyday dealings. And to make matters worse, her con condition would have deemed her legally and religiously unclean, according to Leviticus 15. This meant that she wouldn't have been permitted to enter the temple for Jewish ceremonies. And according to the law, anything or anyone she touched became unclean as well. This woman would have been an outcast and most likely spent her time alone. She couldn't go in public. She couldn't be hugged by her family. And we're not told as to whether or not she had a family, but if she did, her husband would have had grounds to divorce her as she wouldn't have been able to care for her children or anyone else because they would have all been unclean. She was tired and worn out and intensely lonely from the isolation. And we thought we had it bad after four weeks of isolation with COVID. We were all complaining. Can you imagine how detrimental it would be for 12 years to spend all of your time alone? She had endured 12 years of cycling through discouragement and hopelessness. And it's no doubt that this woman cried out to God countless, uh, countless times. But where was God in her suffering? She most likely processed God's silence as any of us would. What did it mean? That I'm not worthy? Have I done something to deserve this? God, are you even there? Do you hear me in my despair? Do you even exist? Twelve years. And although there were times she had full-on given up, on this day, something happened to awaken hope inside of her once again. And Mark's account said that she had heard about Jesus, the healer who had come to town. It may have been said that he was healing people with all kinds of issues everywhere he went, including a man that had leprosy who was living the same fate that she did. She wondered if he could do the same for her. The hope that was sparked in her awakened a desperation once again. And desperation can be a very good thing, as we will see in lessons from a desperate woman. And I have no idea what issues and situations are represented in this room today. I know a few of you. But I believe that God gave me this word several weeks ago. 
And maybe many of you in the room won't find this profound. It's a simple story. I don't have anything complex to share with you. But I do believe that God gave it to me, and that makes it a timely word. And I have to be obedient and to share it. Maybe this morning you need to be reminded that it only takes one touch from Jesus to receive your physical healing. One touch to wipe away anxiety and mental illness. One touch to heal the spiritual hurts that you've been carrying for years. One touch to bring estranged families back together in unity or to wipe out addictions or to mend a marriage that seems as if it's beyond repair. One touch so that you can be set free and live a life of freedom and victory that he intends for you to live. So as we begin to look at lessons from a desperate woman, the woman with the issue of blood, we should first know, what does it mean to be desperate? Desperation is showing a willingness to take any risk in order to change a bad or a dangerous situation. So I ask you this morning, church, are you desperate for a touch from Jesus this morning? Are you desperate? The first lesson that we can learn from this woman is the lesson of perseverance. Now, for those of you who know me well, you'll know that I have a black belt in Taekwondo. Really? I don't look like that? What? And although I don't currently train, because I'm limited with the amount of time that I have in my week, I worked hard for that belt. Okay, here's a fun fact, though. There's actually two pastors on staff with a black belt in Taekwondo. You want to take a guess who the second one is? Uh, <laughs> it is Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul also has a black belt. And we worked hard to receive our belts, but neither of us are currently ready for a fight. Okay? <laughs> Perseverance is one of the five tenets we learn in Taekwondo. And I actually trained with Christian and Noah, my two sons, who also earned their black belts at the same time. And sometimes we laugh because we think back at the times when new students, often young adults, would come in and they want to try a class. And they figure they're looking around at these seasoned fighters, I guess. I would never call myself a fighter, but these seasoned trainees, I guess. And they figure they could do everything that everyone else could do. And often it would lead to them, on the end of the class, partway through the class, leaning over a garbage can and losing their lunch. Because it takes years of training to get to where the trainees had gotten. It takes between 7,000 and 10,000 repetitions to form muscle memory for one movement. Seven to 10,000. And of course, there are hundreds of movements. And many martial arts instructors will say, with the right instruction, you must complete a thousand, and right instruction is key, a thousand reps to learn a technique. Three thousand, and you can use it. And it takes 10,000 for you to master it. So perseverance is not just a good idea, it is essential when learning the martial art of Taekwondo. Perseverance is never giving up until you achieve your goal. It is the continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failures, or opposition. 
And this desperate woman, she knew perseverance. She had done everything she knew of to get well. And over and over again, she consulted doctor after doctor until she had no options left. She persevered until she spent every dollar with the hope to find something that would bring her relief. But she had only gotten worse. And Mark says that she suffered at the hands of many doctors because most likely many of the cures were experimental. And some were probably worse than the disease itself. But she was desperate and willing to try anything, even if there was a small chance that it could help her. And when she heard of Jesus, she knew it didn't make sense to search him out. But it was a last-ditch effort to receive a healing. I have no idea how many times she would have tried to get to him. I assume it's a lot. To push and to squeeze through the crowd to see him. To touch any part of his clothing. And I imagine she was relentless, regardless of whether or not people were turning her away or snubbing her. She wasn't going anywhere. Her persistence and perseverance led to her finally receiving what she had been wanting and waiting for for 12 years. How many of us in this room have pursued a touch from God with perseverance? Or have you said, I've asked him several times and I've just given up. I guess healing is, is not what he wants for me. Or I've asked him to fill me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, but I haven't received it, so I guess he doesn't want me to receive it. Or I've prayed for salvation for so long for my husband or my spouse, but it feels as if God just doesn't hear me, so I've given up. Let me remind you of this well-known scripture. Matthew 7 and 7 says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I love this woman because her, of her, her determination and her persistence, she persevered. She kept asking and knocking and seeking until she received what she needed. And for those of us who need a miracle in our lives, we need to take note and apply this lesson to our own lives today. Perseverance. Second lesson we see is a lesson in becoming undignified. A lesson in becoming undignified. The woman in our story had to make a choice. She could follow the rules that were dictated to her or not be concerned with what other people thought about her and she would have to make her way through the community to see Jesus anyway. She couldn't do both. She had to be willing to lose the little dignity she had left to receive her healing. The kids in the gym at GT Kids, we sing a song that says, I'll become even more undignified than this. And it comes with some very undignified movements. And that song relates to the story of King David dancing before the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And it's here we read under David's leadership that Israel saw the return of the ark of the Lord to Jerusalem. And David could not contain his joy. He replaced his kingly attire with a simple outfit and danced with all his might, not caring about what he looked like to anyone else or what their thoughts were about it. 
And his wife watching from the window was not happy with his unkinglike behavior, and she clearly told him so. Now, David wasn't thrown by this at all. He responded with the words, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. David was so in tune with God's heart that he was unconcerned with the judgmental thoughts of others. And this woman, with the issue of blood, had to act in the same way to move past the restrictions that she was given. It wouldn't have been permissible in her condition of uncleanness to press her way through a crowd of people, but a desperate person does not care about what he or she looks like when they need a touch from Jesus. She didn't care about anybody else's thoughts towards her. She had nothing to lose. Forgetting about what dignity she had left, she took her eyes and off the crowd and focused them on the target of her healing, Jesus. How important is this for us, friends? Are we worried about others around us? Or are we focused on him, the healer of all brokenness? the one who sets the captives free, the one who causes the blind to see and the dead to live again, both physical and spiritual. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who went to the cross so we can be whole and throw things off that weigh us down and walk in victory. Everything else is simply a distraction. We can't worry about what we look like to the people around us. It doesn't matter if you've failed a hundred times before. It doesn't matter if others see it as foolishness. If we worry about everyone else, our eyes will not be on Jesus in the way they need to be. And we will miss the chance, potentially, to receive what Jesus has for us. The third and final thing I just want to discuss this morning is the lesson of being deliberate. To receive the healing that she needed, the woman with the issue of blood had to take action. In her desperation to end her illness, she had to deliberately make choices on the day that she met Jesus. She had to decide, okay, what am I going to wear to conceal myself so that no one will know that I am that woman? She had to take the steps to leave her home and to move through the community and to make a strategy of how she was going to actually reach him. She had to be intentional about getting to Jesus. And now I realize that God sometimes moves in the lives of people without warning, sometimes with them not even thinking about their own need, but most times we know that that's not the case. This woman couldn't afford to wait around for a healing to come to her. She hadn't planned on actually approaching Jesus to speak with him. Where she was psychologically, feeling beaten down and dirty and unworthy, she probably didn't believe that anyone like her could ask Jesus for anything. So she did whatever she had to do to get through the throng of people to receive her healing. Now, I've watched several movies of the reenactment of the woman with the issue of blood receiving healing from Jesus, as many of you probably have as well. And many of these movies play out the same way, and I know I've dug into the story in a lot of different ways and in different pieces. Bear with me one more time. So she's buried in this crowd of people. 
waiting, hoping for a chance to get close enough to him to touch him. And she says, if I can just touch his robe, and Luke adds, just the edge or the hem of his robe, I know I'll be healed. And this is what's going through her mind. And Jairus shows up and cries out to Jesus and begs for him to come to heal his daughter. And as he agrees to go, he begins to move further away from her. And she's trying to keep her eyes on him. She doesn't want to lose sight of Jesus. And she makes the decision to once again push her way through the crowd. A last act of desperation to try to reach him. But it's no use because she's pushed out of the way and falls backwards. And she makes a decision to go to her knees. And she can see him through the crowd. And she begins to swim through the crowd, maneuvering her way through the sea of people's feet. And she reaches with all her might. And her fingers finally reach the edge of his robe as, he, as it brushes by. And in that instant, her bleeding stops and she is healed. In that instant, Jesus accomplishes what no doctor could in 12 years. And Jesus says, who touched me? This woman dragged herself in the most undignified and deliberate manner to get to Jesus through the dirt, with all of the people around him, Jesus knows he's she's touched him. And she says, he says, who touched me? And everyone around is denying that it was them. And Peter is thinking, well, Jesus, it could have been anyone. I mean, look at this crowd pressing around you. But there was something that distinguished her touch from all the others who were pressing into his space. And Luke puts his finger on it. When he writes Jesus' word, someone deliberately touched me because I felt healing power go out from me. If she hadn't pushed her way through the crowd in faith, she would have missed her healing. It was her deliberate action that made her well. And maybe you're here today and you need to be deliberate. You need to take a step of faith to receive what it is that you've been asking God for. And I encourage you this morning to consider what that step needs to be. And as we come to the end of the story, we see the beauty of restoration for anyone who comes to Christ. After the woman is healed, she's hiding away, afraid of what Jesus may say to her, knowing that she was not even permitted to be there to begin with. But finally, she comes forward and explains that it was her who touched him, not knowing how he would respond. But Jesus isn't angry or repulsed or disgusted by her. He responds with acceptance and grace and restores her. He could have just ignored the whole scenario and kept walking to Jairus' house. Only he and the woman would have known what had taken place. But he didn't do that. Jesus stopped and acknowledged the result of this woman's faith. He waits for her to explain the whole story, how she had suffered for so long, why she touched him in the way she did, and how she immediately had been healed. And what does he call her? 
daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You see, there was a spiritual and a psychological healing that happened in that, on that day in addition to the physical. This woman had no family for 12 years, and she feels acceptance for the first time. He calls her daughter, and he restores her to the community. I ask you this morning, for those of you who are here in person and for those that are watching online, are you desperate for a touch from him this morning? As strange as this sounds, and I'll say it again, getting to the point of desperation is a good thing for your spiritual life. It causes us to have no choice but to keep hoping and believing, to persevere, to become undignified, to lose sight of self and others and keep our eyes on Jesus and to deliberately take action in faith, knowing that Jesus is our only option. A famous paratrooper was speaking to a crowd of young uh, recruits. And when he had finished his prepared talk, he called for questions. And one of the recruits raises his hand and says, what made you decide to take your first jump? And the paratrooper's answer was quick and to the point. An airplane at 20,000 feet with three dead engines. <laughs> when we're desperate, we become open to radical solutions. When we're desperate, we will seek with an all-consuming intensity, for we know that everything depends on it. When we are desperate, we are willing to take the risk in front of us because we know that Jesus can meet the need no matter what it is. And there are many people here this morning that can identify with that desperate woman. And I know I've had situations in my life in the past where I've felt crushed and wounded and in need of a healing, and many times it's not physical. Many of us have had moments in the past where we've had to push into Jesus' space to receive what we so desperately need. And maybe you have been that person, but maybe you need that reminder this morning. Or maybe you have never experienced anything like that, a touch from Jesus, but you need to be told this morning that he is the answer to whatever it is that you're going through. Reach out and touch the robe of Jesus today and know that he can meet you right where you are, regardless of your circumstance. He is here right now. And one touch from him can accomplish more than any doctor or psychologist or counselor ever could. He can restore all that is broken. And I believe that there's an anointing here for healing and deliverance this morning. I don't believe that God would give me this word if it wasn't to go out for you to hear and to receive and to be open to come and be touched by him this morning. But you have to make that step. I don't know what act of deliberation you need to make this morning. I hope something's been stirring in you and you've been questioning that and asking God for yourself. But if you have felt God speak to you, I encourage you to come to the altar. There's nothing about this space up here that makes it different than anywhere else. You can receive where you're sitting. But maybe that is the act of deliberation. 
to come forward and to be prayed for. We have a, a prayer ministry team. We're going to come and they will pray with you this morning. And all of them are more than qualified to pray for whatever it is that you're going through. And if it's something physical, you can share that. You don't have to share it all if you don't want. It can be between you and God. But whatever it is, come and reach out and, and just go for it 100%. Reach out for a touch of his robe this morning and receive what it is that he wants you to receive. In Jesus' name, Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you that 2,000 years after your life on earth, that you are still in the business of healing. You are still in the business of delivering, of answering our prayers. There is nothing too big that you can't accomplish. Lord Jesus, we are here this morning and we are desperate for a touch from you. And God, we ask that as people come towards this altar, as they pray in their spaces, maybe even in their seats, God, that you will begin to touch their bodies, touch their minds, touch their hearts of the he and, and heal them in the way that they need to be healed this morning. Oh God, have your way. Have your way in this place. Have your way in this place, we pray. You are the great healer. And we give ourselves to you this morning so that we can be all that you want us to be. Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name come you can come before the ministry team even gets here but come and be ministered to this morning reach out for Jesus Jesus name Jesus name thank you father Thank you for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, contact info at gtmoncton.com. Follow us on social media at GT Moncton or check out our website, gtmoncton.com. Have a great week and God bless.